Hey everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Frank, here as always with AJ. How are you? Hey guys. Hey folks. How are you? Um, and if you've clicked this episode, you know that some things are happening. Um, but <laughs> so we'll be covering uh, 2012's Marvel's The Avengers uh, going back to time. <laughs> but we have special guests. Indeed. So uh, I'd like to invite on uh, my good friend, Mike Held, who we went back to college together. We were ma- roommates for a while. Uh, but you and your buddy Ethan have kicked off your own podcast. So, uh, Mike, welcome, and you know, tell us about your show. Hey, yeah. I mean, thanks for letting us come on. It truly is uh, Avengers Assemble or Podcasters <laughs> Assemble today. Yes, um, for sure. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about everything. Um, we have our Fireside Interviews and Reviews uh, podcast. It's mostly centered around... Um, Tabletop games, uh, Ethan and I both have a, a lot of passion for um, D&D and, you know, just talking about that. And Ethan loves the crap out of some Magic the Gathering. So <laughs> oh, yeah. I try to get into that and talk to him about that. But yeah, uh, thanks for having us. I'll carry the uh, the passion for, for both of us, Mike. Don't, don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it you is definitely... Do. It's definitely an honor to be here, guys. Uh, love what you guys do, and uh, glad to be a part of it. Yeah, well, thanks for joining, and Ethan, it's great to meet you. So I'm, I'm uh, excited to get into this. Uh, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, so, um, you know, something we kind of start out these episodes um, about, like last year, Frank and I, uh, if you've been following the podcast, we did all of the James Bond franchise, which was super-duper fun. Um, and then this year, kind of like trying to figure out what we were going to do, which was to kind of look back at all of the superhero movies we, I would say, we were of like sentient mind for, you know, like the adult <laughs> right. kind of memories that you're going to have that are separate from being kids. Like, I remember going to see X-Men 3 Last Stand with Frank, but like, I don't really remember it. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I remember like, watching X-Men like over and over and over on DVD at my house, but I, you know, that's a right. totally level. It's it's nostalgia at that point. You love it because you love it, not right. because but, of what it is. But exactly. very clearly, I remember going to see Avengers with Frank. Well, like, you're, well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go see Avengers. Maybe, maybe the second time. May, well, maybe because by 2012 May, I was living in D.C. You didn't go with us. It was me, you, Danny, and Leah Isaac to the theater. It wasn't me. That wasn't you? <laughs> it's your Shit. doppel. See, and this is what happens when you're 32 years old. See, this is what I said shit. earlier, right? <laughs> like, you think you remember it, but, but you don't. No, okay, fair enough. Um, he it, wanted you there. He yeah. wanted. We always want to be together, and that's, the, that's what happened with how we got the podcast started, because we right. were watching these movies 250 miles apart, or yeah. whatever it is. And uh, we never got to go together in, until uh, we moved back. And then we moved far apart again. It's just kind of the way that things go. Um, so, yeah, Avengers. I know I was in um, in D.C. I saw this in Tyson's Corner. Megan and I were running super late. I remember uh, we were – I don't know if it was seated at that point. You know how, like, nowadays it's like you've got your seat. But we mm-hmm. were in, like, the front row, which – 
for a movie is not ideal. Um, yeah, that that was before you bought your seats online. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, that's how crazy it's gotten. Like they didn't have that back then. They didn't care. Nuts. I remember like the first time that I like, oh, I'm gonna get my seat, and someone was like, oh, you're in my seat. I was like, no, I'm not. This is mine. Look right here. It's like it's a baseball game. Um, yeah, exactly. And you would go and you'd sit in the fucking front two to three rows get a fucking headache yeah. and a sore neck. And because this movie was massive and it's like so much is happening, like you don't care because you're right. you're experiencing this crazy. I'm sure I saw it more than once. Maybe I came up for the summer. Maybe we saw it together, AJ. You guys, no, Mike I guess or Ethan, do you want to go first? Like, do you remember seeing this in theaters? Oh, definitely. I It, it was, uh, they they have a, a Lowe's theater at, at our, the waterfront area in Pittsburgh. And uh, <clears throat> even before this, they had VIP assigned seats that were like an extra five dollars. But this movie ranked high enough on the "I want to be comfortable and watch this" that I definitely got all my friends those VIP section seats. That's nice. awesome. <laughs> yeah, so that that was like there were certain movies that fell in the category of "I want these seats. I want them to be comfortable." I don't want to have to deal with anybody. I want to take my time and enjoy the experience. But that that was definitely, like, I got me and uh, I think, like, three or four of my friends. We all went and got a VIP section and watched watched Avengers when it, when it first rolled out, which was great. That's awesome. That's very cool. Mike, Mike I, do you remember? I personally, uh, I don't recall if we had like assigned seating, I'm pretty sure it was the Regal Cinemas uh, theater that was in Harrisonburg. And I went with some of the other college guys that you probably know, Frank. Yep. I'm pretty sure I went with like Andrew Badgett and um, kind of a group of other people like uh, just, you know, everybody in, in the Punta crew, basically. Yeah. That, that wasn't... I, <laughs> Maybe not you, but like everybody else that was in that Punta Guru with us, um, you know, that's who I that's who I went with, I think. And, oh, man, it was just it was awesome. <laughs> and I've been saying on the past couple of episodes that this was my first MCU in theater experience. I think mm. just because of college, like we were I wasn't going to movies as much. Um, mm -hmm. So like 2012 was really after I graduated and. Uh, you know, a lot of the summers I was working a ton, so I, I couldn't go out to the movies a lot. Like you guys would get out of a movie and I'd be like, all right, I'm out of work. Let's go chill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like this was huge. And I, it's like I, this was like me, like becoming an adult and like I'm going to start spending money on movies. Like, like Ethan was saying, like VIP experiences mm -hmm. every time getting seats that we want. And, and then I became like the guru. Like, Mike, you know this. Every yep. movie we saw together, I was the one to buy, like, ten tickets and be yep. like, all right, who wants to go? I've got tickets. Who wants to go? <laughs> Lined it up. You got it right. We went to dinner beforehand. Yeah. Like, we started using our disposable income, which we may or may not have actually had, but we thought was we, disposable we, we, income at that age. We thought we did. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this this movie was, like, it's unprecedented. It was such a huge buildup. Everyone was mm -hmm. so excited. It made so much money. Um, but we would be remiss not to mention the elephant in the room. And we've talked about this before recently. This movie is written and directed by Joss Whedon. Mm -hmm. And yep. he's under a lot of heat right now. So a um, big elephant. Yeah. 
AJ, you <laughs> look like you have thoughts. <laughs> no, uh, I watched. Uh, there was the first disc of the big MCU like chest DVD set was on YouTube today. I watched oh, all of it. It was like an hour and a half of special features, and he's all over it. Um, <laughs> uh, Brian Singer is in it. <laughs> for some is he reason. really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's it's very it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I I think you know Joss Whedon the stuff that's come out about him about you know what happened with Buffy, you know, I think this was just like a different time. Um, I think we can still like the Avengers for what it was for the culmination, for the planning of, of our Lord and savior, Kevin Feige, um, <laughs> the ingenious of the supporting uh, production crew that made this happen from Victoria Alonso to Brian Desposito. Uh, you have a big team here and they all kind of made this, happen and it didn't just happen overnight and and that's kind of you know the idea you know it was interesting to see um in the special features they talk about like kind of how they figured out you know if you read online it can seem like the first time the ever the movie concept of the avengers happened for the first time 2006 at comic-con where it's uh they're announcing iron man Feige is there and someone asks him a question and he says, okay, well, like if you look at the characters and what we have there, like it wouldn't make, it would make sense if it all left up to the Avengers, big round of applause. You can go watch the clip on YouTube. But what I think happened um, earlier was in 2004, as they're putting together what would become Spider-Man three, what they're doing with X-Men at that time, he's still a producer on those projects while at the same time kind of coming together with the other Marvel people, Avi Arad, um, you know, and then some of the other uh, production guys. And then they, they figure this out. 2004, I think, is the mm-hmm. Nexus right. moment. And, and the, the other guy that's formed. that's kind of involved here is is Zach Penn. And he was sure he was with some of the other X-Men movies and he uh, was credited on The Incredible Hulk. And he he was. You know, he did the story. So it's story by him and, and Joss. And so then the, the the screenplay is actually written by by Joss. So the, like how much Joss like whereas like now we look at like a James Gunn, it's like he's like this is coming from him. It's his idea. I think mm-hmm. Joss is more than a uh, uh, just like camera and just shooting it. I think he has influence, but it's just like uh, so many people like you were just saying that or are, are involved um, to make this thing happen that, yeah, I think we can still say that this was such a huge moment and changed movies. Um, it, you know, the MCU is a, a huge thing now like that. Well, oh, there's sure. like, there's like 80,000 million, uh, YouTube videos you can watch about what the Avengers did to cinema mm-hmm. and watching it today. I think the one that really kind of took it away was it's kind of like, it's the post blockbuster blockbuster, right? It, it moves so fast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It it has the plot is theoretically relatively simple, but it's really about character development. And in the kind of idea that, you know, we can speak to Joss's credit is every scene in this movie, when it goes to Thor and Loki, it feels like Thor and Loki's story. It's their movie. When it goes to Captain America and Nick Fury, it feels like Captain America's movie. 
when it goes to to uh, tony stark and pepper you're like you're back in iron man you're in iron man three like it Mm -hmm. just has that kind of movement and fluidity that uh he can capture across multiple characters in a single piece um i I wrote that down in my notes too how it this movie feels like an iron man sequel and a thor sequel and a, a cap sequel but like ultimately what that means is that when you put all those elements together, you have an Avengers movie. And that's the formula for the Avengers and that that's kind of what they did moving forward. Well, well all it, four it, of it, our main characters like evolve in this movie. Yeah. They go through a process, right? Like that's un- that's unheard of in a sequel like this. Ethan, go ahead. Uh no, no, you're fine. I was just going to say I feel like they pulled on their um previous previous television experience. Because the, the way that I take the Marvel movies is almost like seasons in um, like Buffy or something like that where it you, you progressed multiple characters, but you could do that because you had 16 episodes and all this stuff. Obviously, it's more condensed when it comes to the movies, but I, I feel like they brought that idea to cinemas mm-hmm. whenever they started making the Avengers movies. And, right, and then, they, they brought and, and, the idea of almost like uh each movie almost being a season of Mm -hmm. someone's story you know so then it was like season one is is you know uh iron man and then season two is the incredible hulk season three is thor season four you know captain america and then right into you know avengers being this kind of uh, i almost think of it like all the Chicago med and Chicago PD <laughs> mm-hmm. and the Chicago fire. Like, Oh, yeah. let's, let's cl- just clash this all together, smash them all together to make this big cross, you know, crossover. And, and, crossover. You know, and it's funny because, you know, now, nowadays post Avengers, that's like what the CW shows are doing, right? Like we had crisis on infinite earths last year. Mm-hmm. Like they were building up to that for so long. And, and, but those still feel like crossovers. Like, the Avengers right. movie does not feel like a crossover. Exactly. It, it, it feels melts. so natural and it feels like a, a natural progression of everything that's to come. And all these characters had to come together to, for this very specific threat. And, mm-hmm. and obviously we know the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. So I think the big, you know, the elephant in the room, Joss is, uh, you know, obviously a horrible person. <laughs> for everything that he, you know, had done through all the years and created this kind of, you know, angry atmosphere and just toxic atmosphere and everything he did. But he, it's one of those moments where it's like, do you separate the art that was created from the person or do you judge the the art because of of someone who contributed you know because there was as aj said a huge team that was behind it you know how much percentage of it was actually joss versus some of the other people that were going through it you know and and how much were other people aware of of that sort of behavior when they were working on seven other projects you know with other movies and things like that so right yeah and You've got like yeah yeah you've got Kevin Feige but you've also got Sarah Haley Finn who's the 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 casting director for like all of these movies and so mm-hmm. without her you don't have Chris Evans as Captain America you don't have uh you know Chris Hemsworth and and Tom Hiddleston and and everybody like it just everyone all these actors bring yeah. bring something to the table and yes the story is there but without the right cast 
um, without the right cinematographer and everything. Like it's, it, it takes a village and mm-hmm. yes, Joss was a huge part of this, but it doesn't rest on him solely. Like while maybe in the past we gave him more credit, we can take some of that away because <laughs> well, well, we did. And like, and we talked it. about this when we did age of Ultron where, you know, like it's, it's so hard to, you know, repeat, like, like they were never going to be able to repeat the successful, amazing, you know, orgasmic roller coaster ride that is seeing this movie in a theater in 2012, right? Like, mm-hmm. there, there's just no greater rock and roll symphony you can create that's ever, like, because even you think of Infinity War as good as it is, like, it's, you know, it ends on such a down note. Endgame is so long. It's awesome, but it's very long. This one, it just it's like a fucking concert. Like it just rocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's song after song after song. And and again, I think uh one of the one of the, you know, kind of trying to break down the plot game is like it's a pretty simple plot, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. like like I, I we play this thing where we try to say the plot of the movie. We got started it doing James Bond uh <laughs> because we were trying to sub up you know what's happening here in the fewest amount of words right mm-hmm. this way we could move along with the episode uh frank do you want to take a whack at this one you want to sure. go first and, and, and I'll, I'll go first and then I'll, I'll give one of our guests the opportunity to uh for sure give another angle um loki wants to invade the earth for Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Fury comes up with a response team being the Avengers. They have to learn how to work together, but ultimately save the day. <laughs> Pretty Ooh. good. I got, I got, I got one. I got go one. Go for it. Okay, go so, for it. So <laughs> it's going to be a little bit different, but in my mind, the Avengers was World War Two, and it, and it even kind of placated to that whenever uh, the old man stood up to Loki. Oh, yeah, yep. And mm-hmm. the reason I say that is because they nobody got along, even though they were allies, until Pearl Harbor, which was obviously Coulson. Yep. And then they all got together. And went after Loki, aka, you know, the bad guy. And if I feel like it's just a straight on straight revenge, almost war movie, of everybody fighting and then getting together and then bam. Yeah, I mean that's that's. It's so interesting because like we've been talking about the Avengers and you know they've been around since the you know sixties with the comics, but they're definitively different than the Justice League, like. Mm-hmm. They are avenging, meaning mm-hmm. something happened and they have to right. answer. Yeah, it's reactive. Yeah, yeah. Which well, is like and... kind of bad on their part in some cases. <laughs> right? Like you should be a little bit more of like reactive, uh, or not reactive, yeah. like plan proactive. Proactive. Have, that, have that plan in there to prevent things from happening. Well, well, that's kind of what got uh, Tony Stark and when you guys are going over Ultron, like. He was trying to be proactive, but they're not good at that. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you know, and and that was hard to do, you know, because you got to think like, 
you're going to build a super bot like, you know, and you're not going to stop like Tony just doesn't stop. Like, that's just kind mm -hmm. of his tragic flaw. You know, like he doesn't yeah. stop and think about what he's doing. He just fucking does it. Um, and that's what makes these these characters human as much. You know, some of them are. Yeah. But right. Like, they 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 have flaws. They're not super Glorified. Superman, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. which he has flaws, too. But like, <laughs> right. But it's not the same thing. You know, I, I think that's why these characters are going to endure beyond what the DC characters will yeah. be remembered as mostly because comics aren't as big now. Like it's just that there's just not as enough attention as there was kind of in the resurgence in the eighties and nineties. And you know, like it, it just, the kids aren't going to know what like the dark Knight returns was like, or that kind of stuff. So now like going forward, you have just like this incredible pantheon of movies. Like there's 20 movies here, but like, I don't know. I've watched a lot of movies on my TV. This was by far the most fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Like it looked just fucking gorgeous. And yeah, like great. you pop on that opening sequence and like you're immediately drawn in, like you're immediately mm -hmm. sucked in. Yeah. Great bond opening, right? Great bond yep. opening. Absolutely. <laughs> like like that, that was one of those things like, we're if if the opening sequence clicks like that can make or break your movie and and oh, I yeah. think they knew it too right that, that going into this like we need an inciting incident what's gonna bring all these people together and you know we had five movies before this that yeah they're all off doing their own thing but a an alien from outer space comes and starts fucking shit up like <laughs> he steals this this crazy weapon uh and, and you know he compromises many characters that we already know, right? Like yeah. Hawkeye yeah. and, and, and Selvig. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I, I just love that. It's a pre title card, you know, like that, that, yeah. that's so unique for, for Marvel at this point. Well, and it's also one of the biggest things that's actually sort of happened in the Marvel universe where this gigantic, you know, almost miles wide, facility is just crumbled and completely crushed and all of shield is basically displaced from that facility and this all-powerful weapon that nobody has really ever touched since you know 1945 that was you know an evil person that had evil intentions has this you know massive weapon in the tesseract you know so it's it's something that's much bigger than any of the other movies have really built up because now you have a, a true threat versus someone who doesn't mm -hmm. know what to do with it. Yeah. And I like that, you know, this yeah, Nick Fury had been working on this Avengers initiative idea for a little while. Um, and so for us to, to start with, with shield and, and look at Nick Fury and what he's up to and for him to make the call and say, we got to bring these guys in, I think was a really great, idea um and and then we have this fun like first act that it, it, it moves at a good pace because we're checking in with all these characters that we already know so it, it doesn't feel like oh we're meeting new people we're mm. revisiting right. heroes that we've we've had mm -hmm. some time with but we need to just get them up to speed and bring them to the table together it's right. like seeing a growth period like when it, everybody that finishes a good book you always want to know what happened three years later to your favorite character. And that is this sequence of this is where everybody's at. This is what everybody's doing. 
you know, this is what they've achieved during it. And it's like even just, you know, the Iron Man sequence where he's like lighting up his Stark Tower and it's, you know, it's off the grid. And yet it, like it's so cool to see these updates through everybody. So it doesn't like you said, it doesn't feel like you're meeting new people. It's just you're refreshing with an old friend. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. so smart of them for to hold back Tony Stark. Right. Because mm-hmm. he's like at this point, he's huge. His movies did so well, and he's the, what people came for. I, I mean, I didn't look at the time, but it's probably 25 minutes into the movie at least before we see him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For I think sure. you meet all the rest of the team before you even see him again. He He's the heart and soul, man. It, there have not yet been awards to describe like what he did for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, like the fact that he just buys in and then performs at this level in this movie. And then also the way that his character again, evolves in this fucking film, like that's fucking huge. And when we see him again, like it's almost like he reached a new kind of platform, you know, in all the movies, Tony has to learn something, right? They try to teach him some kind of lesson, (laughs) but (laughs) like, you know, in this one, it kind of seems like, yeah, he's totally cool being Iron Man. He's totally cool, you know, trying to use his new renewable energy tech. Uh, and he's just kind of like content, like what can what can go wrong? And this is the, you know, the interstellar, intercosmic, intergalactic threat that really kind of changes his whole worldview going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like we spend a whole another movie with Tony mm-hmm. just dealing with PTSD from this movie. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it's you crazy. know. Um, and then, you know, with Cap, like, I, it's hard to remember, but, you know, like, this is, like, days or maybe weeks after he wakes up. Like, he's yeah, still in this crazy right. new world. Like, I love how he's, like, talking to Black Widow, like, ma'am, like, you know, <laughs> there's only one God. Like, all these kind of, like, <laughs> like old things from the 40s. And by the time we see him again in Winter Soldier, it's, like, he's he's kind of adapted to the new world. But here, this is so almost fresh. Jaded. Like, yeah. I almost mm-hmm. wonder, like, do you think he's like, am I dead? <laughs> Is this really happening? Well, that's it. Like the sequence they have whenever he's on the the uh, hover carrier where he hands the the, what, the five bucks over. Yeah. Because he th- th- thought he saw <laughs> yeah. everything. It's he's trying to be his role. Like, it's like you said, he's morphing, but he's going from being that role where in the the first Avenger, like he was the guy. He was in charge like it was the military. You know, there was no ifs, ands or buts. There was no pushback. That's where it was. And like you said, he's he's now starting to evolve into that modern time. Yep. And and we also pick up with, uh, you know, we see Black Widow, of course, and she has to go to to get the big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, which this the is a big an- guy. Another major change, because last time we saw the Hulk. And Bruce Banner, it was portrayed by Edward Norton. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, behind the scenes, a lot was going on. But, you know, bringing him in, Mark Ruffalo, like one of the probably the best gets that they could have gotten. And, um, you know, you get somebody that wants to be there and and Mm -hmm. buy into this character. And I mean, think about the arc that this character has gone on throughout the MCU. That really starts here because everything beforehand, you kind of have to like take with a grain of salt. Yeah, right. he he really comes in and and he brings. I I actually noted this, especially when I was watching it. Um, he 
brings this perfect, subtle, underlying anger to everything that he does <laughs> as a as a character. Which you know, when you know the punchlines at the end of the movie, you know, looking at that at the beginning of the movie, you're like, oh my god, you know, he he is owning this character and he's really embodying everything that it means to be Bruce Banner. You know, Mark Ruffalo is showing that in every little aspect where he is just always barely holding in that anger just enough to prevent him from turning. And then when he needs to turn it on, he can just turn it on. Yeah. And it's it's so it was so crazy to see that kind of um you know control and and um just complete devotion to the character it was it was great for him and he's such a perfect fit he's well, such a great really, actor this is really one of the first times where um you know they did really great uh you know cgi replacement with ruffalo and this was coming yeah. off of uh, avatar where they had just made yeah. avatar they're starting to be able to you know really monitor your face really take in all those reaction, those subtleties, and that builds it into these, you know, digital characters, and I and I think the Hulk, we kind of give him a little bit of extra leeway because when he's green, number two, like he's huge and obtuse looking, mm -hmm. so you're kind of okay with it being, you know, not perfectly, you know, you know, like humanoid. So when you get to kind of see Hulk in this movie. And it really does look like Ruffalo and it doesn't feel kind of, you know, and, and it's, it's interesting about the Edward Norton movie, right? The Louis Latrier movie. Like, so Louis Latrier and Norton are both real good buddies. And they're like, we want to make a movie like the old TV show, man. And Feige's <laughs> like, fuck yeah. I love that idea. That's great. <laughs> and then they go to Norton and they're like, dude, you want to be an Avenger? And he's like, fuck no, dude. He's like, I just want to do that one. Well, I might be reading into this a little bit too much. And you guys are the experts, so you can tell me. The, the scene wherever he says that he put a bullet in his mouth. Sure. Do you think that might have been a little bit to add to his development, but also to maybe try to explain why he looks different than what his original movie was supposed to be? You know, that's a good question. Hmm. I, I think, I, I do think it's just character development only because at this point, you know, even the 2008 Hulk is still a soft reboot, right? Like mm -hmm. if you want to take it as a sequel from 2003's Hulk, you kind of can. Yeah. If you want to, if you wanted to um, uh, just consider this the first Hulk movie, you you could. Um, but this movie, I think, again, like Frank kind of said, like it really sets up Hulk's whole character arc through the MCU, mm -hmm. and it allows kind of somebody to dig in and kind of see a, a different angle than we'd seen before. It's very easy to do Jekyll and Hyde with Hulk. It's very easy to do you know, kind of uh, Phantom of the Opera with Hulk. But I think what this, you know, kind of does is humanize Hulk in all different ways. Um, and, you know, we see in this movie he has control. Age of Ultron, he has, you know, relationships and feelings. Ragnarok, he has likes and needs, you know, <laughs> and preferences. 
and you know and then you finally get to infinity war was like i'm not gonna fight thanos again you know yeah but yeah he it i don't know i i like ruffalo in this movie i think that he's doing you know it would have been great to have seen him in earlier movies or to have done more stuff but again like he's he 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 does rock this movie and it was great to just um Start, you know, just start again. You know, nobody even bats an eye, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so rounding out uh, the other Avengers, I mean, we've already talked about some of them. I, I, Hawkeye always gets like the short end of the stick. Um, we were just talking about him in Thor. Uh, it, it barely a cameo. Like, uh, so he becomes like a character by the end of the movie, but it's really unfortunate that they chose to make him um, mind controlled for the first two thirds, I would say, Um, especially because we didn't know him, Uh, which made it easy. But also if we had someone like Natasha Mm -hmm. as a uh, mind controlled person, then maybe we'd be feel even more like, Oh, we got to get her back. We got to like, how are we going to do this without her kind of thing? Well, I think they missed that a little bit because they just didn't show what he brought to the table during that mind control. Like, the only scene where you can kind of tell how much Hawkeye's actually putting into the mission being a success for Loki is, like, whenever they're in, like, the meeting underground room where they're just, like, talking over and, like, he got his bow and, like, all that stuff. It was really the only scene where you can kind of see where... Loki probably wouldn't have gotten anywhere near where he was if it wasn't for Hawkeye in that situation. Mm-hmm. True. Like, mm-hmm. and, and it, you, it just wouldn't, wouldn't have happened. And you, you kind of forget, like, he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. He knows mm-hmm. a lot, but we don't right. know that. We don't know what he brings to the table. You, you make a great point. Like, if, if he was more of a, a player in uh, Thor and, or some other film or, or whatever you want it to be, if we knew what he could do, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense why why Loki needed him. Um, right. I, okay. Just to play devil's advocate. I think that <laughs> this is actually an okay intro really for Hawkeye because we're introduced to kind of his um, demeanor and skill set kind of quickly. And then it, we don't have to kind of dig in and think about our other heroes until late. You know, you know, we can, we can get to that. We don't have to worry about, Hawkeye because he's just a bad guy at this point and and that allows for them to open up and do more with Hawkeye and like we've seen how he's evolved in the movies but you know I I know I think that when they do this here um it's definitely thoughtful and I think that it definitely right Loki couldn't have done what he needed to do without Hawkeye he needed Hawkeye not not Black Widow for sure I, I do think that um the way that I sort of see it is that they they utilized that turn of Barton to be what brings Natasha back and also to help her develop because you see uh, what I noticed when watching it again was that she it's it's this just immediate like I have to drop everything and help him because he is like the best person so you see that instead of her being so cold and and just you know mission oriented she has that human side where if she has a really good friend or or a family member um which i'm sure we'll end up seeing in in the black widow movie hopefully um you see her break from all of this 
uh, conditioning that she had when she was going through, you know, whatever Russian boot camp thing that, you know, molded her. Um, you know, so, uh, so I see that as more of what that is a, a tool for him being converted so that she has to be brought in and that she has this starts to show these other layers of her character that really haven't gone anywhere yet. Great point, Mike. hundred points to Hufflepuff or whatever house you are, because that was, I am, I am Ravenclaw. Thank you. Ravenclaw. Much. Okay. I know oh, your boy. wife's <laughs> Hufflepuff, right? <laughs> um, she is. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. So we've kind of talked about most of the Avengers here. Um, Let's touch on uh, Infinity Watch real quick because we know what what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with the Tesseract. We're dealing with Loki's scepter. The um, Cosmic Cube. And the Cosmic the Mind cube Stone. And the Mind Stone. So we've seen the Tesseract multiple times up until this point, and it is the center of this film. I have a question about now. the scepter. Yes. So it's the Soul Stone. We kind of know this later on. So I guess the, the input is it the soul stone, stone or is it the mind yeah, stone? Mind stone, mind stone, mind stone. Thank you, thank you. Okay. I'm just talking. I'm talking, trying to get to my point. And I'm saying the it's wrong. It's okay. One. It's okay. Keep going with your point. It's Dave. the mind stone scepter. The implication is that Thanos gives Loki this soul stone. Mind stone. Correct. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did he get it? I was also curious about this. If Thanos has it and he knows that it's the Mind Stone, why did he willingly give it to someone? So Because I if you're giving somebody two Infinity Stones, you expect them to win. Right. I, but Okay. Listen, I think that Loki is in kind of under control of the Mind Stone. I think Thanos is influencing him. When he comes to Earth... If you look at his eyes, he's real sweaty looking. He doesn't have the same look as the humans do, but I think that there's something there that maybe on some level, Loki isn't completely in control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I, would, I would kind of uh, say something similar because there are multiple moments I noticed throughout the movie where Loki has this hesitation Mm-hmm. And knowing Tom Hiddleston and how he grows through all the movies, that is a deliberate thing that he did. You know, he took that moment to pause. And when you see those hesitations in his eyes, it's really him almost like uh, Barton occasionally when he's under control. And I kind of like how Selvig talks about how he built in a back door or this like, you know, fault in the system that he can you know manipulate um you know they have this moment of clarity where the mind stone isn't affecting them and they go back to their normal nature but then they you know get taken over again yeah um the big one that i'm thinking of for loki is when he's fighting with with thor on the the bridge towards the end um yeah of the movie he has a moment where Right, right before I think he stabs him. Right, yep. he's he's kind of yeah. he just like pauses and he's, he's like, like, "It's too late. Yeah. It's too late. I can't change it." You know, but he really takes that moment where it's like, "Oh my God, what did I do? This is horrible, but I can't change it." You know, so it's it's he has moments like that through the through the movie, which are really uh, really interesting. See, I gotta agree and disagree because 
<laughs> you know, okay. just because I don't. I think if you take Loki from the previous movie, yeah, he got thrown off. You know, he he tried to take over. It didn't work. His nope. brother became worthy again. Yep. Like he went from being the golden boy up on his throne to being the loser again. And he's a frost giant. Like he was adopted. Like he gets hit with all this stuff. And then he gets thrown out, gets picked up by Thanos or whoever that he meets. Basically, I think he was tortured to do the bidding of the mad giant. Um, and I think that's why he looked like that whenever he finally came back. Oh, it's like, cause okay. if you, if you don't, if you don't do this, we're going to do worse than what we just did to you teaching you how to do this. And, but, and the, the other thing is, I don't think they knew the mind stone was in that scepter. Yeah. I think right. it, I think it was a cosmic uh, weapon, right? Like I think yeah. whatever they did. They probably used the Tesseract to cloak the Mind Stone. And that's why they resonate with each other. And it wasn't until they scanned it and they found the AI intelligence inside that they realized it was something more than mm-hmm. what it actually was. Okay. So Another that, question, that, that, then. That's kind of why I agree and disagree. <laughs> with the Tesseract at the top of the movie, yes. Hawkeye says, door opens from both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How? <laughs> There's only right? one Tesseract. <laughs> How do they have access to said other side of door? I think this goes a little bit off of what Ethan was saying, where the Mind Stone and the sort of shell of the Tesseract that holds the Space Stone inside of it sure. resonate with each other. Mm-hmm. So oh, they're like two parts of like they right. To, they're kind of like used uh, together. They're two. They're right. two. Cause, whatever cause the those tesseract, are. The... Yeah, because the, the tesseract, what's around the stone inside the tesseract, like because Thanos broke that too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the material that's encasing both stones is the same material that is used to affect both stones. That's interesting. Right. One one for cloaking with the Mind Stone to keep it under control but still utilize its power. And then the other one is to basically use it as a transportation type thing. Interesting. So I think that's that's kind of why they, they interact like that, I think. I like it. That's, that's I'll, good. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I mean, we kind of talked about Nick Fury. Uh, it's, you know, Fury Files was mostly, mostly – uh, Hey, it's like a post credit scene with Nick Fury or something. He's a main character here. This is not the... anymore. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, everything starts because of him. Mm-hmm. He brings everyone together. Uh, he has some great moments. Like, um, th- does anyone have like a, a favorite Nick Fury line or a favorite moment from this movie with him? I have mine. I'll wait to see if anyone else wants theirs first. Um, I always think about when f- the very beginning of the movie, when Fury is talking to Maria Hill and he's like, we have to pretend like the world will continue to spin on. <laughs> I always think about that line in my head. Like before you fucking, you know, try to solve anything that you think is a problem, like 
make yep. the get your shit done and move on with the rest of your day as if the world is not going to end. <laughs> you know? I, I have two, so I'll go. I'll let Mike go first in case it's one okay. of mine. Okay. So, I I just uh, through the whole movie, I love that he's just like nothing phases him, even though it's this crazy ca- catastrophic stuff is happening. Um, but my favorite moment is when the planes are taking off of the hover carrier and he just doesn't even stop for a second, but runs out and has an RPG and just launches it at the plane. Yeah, the RPG like, is cool. Heck no. He's like, hell no, you're not getting off this he- yeah. this helicarrier. And then he just like, the second one flies off and he doesn't hesitate. He pulls out his gun and tries to shoot. So it's like, he he's all about action and like, and yeah. he's like, I know what I have to do. This is the goal. And it's I'm not going to stop, which is like just so badass about him. <laughs> uh, so mine, it's like a, a line. And I feel like I want to say this line in my day to day all the time because of work. <laughs> it's like the council has made a decision. And he's like, I understand they made a decision. But seeing as it's a stupid ass decision, I'm choosing yeah, to ignore yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. It's, it's so good. It's, it's, yeah, it's so a good. great one. Ethan. Uh I think uh, kind of circling back to how these movies kind of show the characters to be human, the the scene wherever he throws the cards on the table. Sure. Yep. And like, even like the, the whole scene in general, and even when he picks them back up and he's like, they needed a push. Yep. Like you can tell what, what happened is weighing on him, but he yes. needs, he needs them to be what they need to be. Yep. So he takes that burden on himself even though he knows something else might be happening, he takes that burden on himself to make it a point. And that's what right. I admire. That was my second one. So I'm glad you said it, uh, <laughs> which, which brings us to Colson. Um, you know, this, Coulson. <sighs> so yeah. it's, you know, he's a, a side character going up until this point. Um, it makes me wonder, could he have been more, could he have been an Avenger or something? Yes. But, <laughs> But he, you know, he is an Avenger. He made, at he heart. made a whole series. <laughs> yeah, it did. It's very good. <laughs> yes. I don't know how much you guys have seen it, but if you haven't I've seen, seen it, I've all, seen it. It's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he's impacted each one of these people to mm. a certain degree. He has a scene with almost all of them before he dies. Um, That's true. He's the original co- uh, cohesive element. To mm-hmm. almost all the movies, like you, that's mm-hmm. his, he's the shield in the background. Exactly, of everything that's going on. Yep, exactly. And and like we were saying at the top of this uh, episode, um, they're Avengers. They react, mm-hmm. and I believe his line, and I would love to see the script because maybe they they line it up. It's like this would never have worked if they didn't have. He doesn't finish because he dies. And it's like if they didn't have something to fight for, something to avenge. Mm-hmm. And his, his death is what what brings them all together. And it's right. such a badass death. Like even though it was very sad, like his line of like, oh, that's what it does. Like it's just like you yeah. almost can't take the scene seriously because even Colson's not taking the scene seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the super interesting part about that character too, because uh, who's that? Clark, Clark Gregg. That? Clark Gregg, yeah. Um, you know, he. <laughs> I, I was watching some of the special features stuff, and he, 
like didn't even know that he was going to be in any of the other movies. He was just like a he was a one or two kind of scenes in I think he said Iron Man, and then mm-hmm. he was like, I didn't know I was going to be in another movie, and then they, they like just some you know it was like John Favreau on stage when they were shooting one day was kind of just like, oh yeah, hey by the way, um, next week we're doing the Thor thing, right? You're going to be there, and he's like, uh. What? <laughs> like, wait, what? And, and, and that's crazy. <laughs> I never. Ten heard years that. later, he's got right. you know seven seasons of a show. He yeah, shows right. up in Captain Marvel. Everyone. Yeah. He he's become a character in the comic books. Like right. yes, yeah. He was this like he was this such a minor character, but then, you know, I think, I think, I don't know if it was a conscious decision by the you know, creative, crew. Um, but I think they were like, you know, Fury is not going to be, is not going to be enough to kind of create this, this through line for every single movie. We need another connecting dot that is not just Fury showing up for the final scene. We need another shield agent that's going to be placed somewhere through these movies, you know, cause, um, Black Widow, I think is in every movie up to Avengers, at least for a short scene. Mm, she's in Iron Man too. Oh, I guess she can't. Yeah. Never mind. I'm to totally say. wrong. I'm stupid. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, it's interesting <laughs> how they place the different characters within the different movies. You know, Coulson is, you know, a big part. He's, he's kind of the inciting incident for the ha- second half of the movie of mm-hmm. why these guys are coming together. He's definitely who they avenge. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think Clark Gregg, you know, he had done other stuff on TV and, you know, with the success of this movie, they decided to give him some kind of a show that existed in some alternate universe. We'll see what they do after Doctor Strange. But, <laughs> you know, it's interesting um, to me, you know, how important he was, but that th- even then they were like, somebody has to kind of die, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and who can we do it? And I think going into this movie, I think that there was a lot of, um, you know, speculation that Nick Fury or Tony Stark could die, you know, that either of those big name guys, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, you know? Sure. So, and and you've got these big actors that like, are they going to be tied to how many movies? And what we find out now is like, absolutely. Yes. Because they want to make that fucking money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. But anyway, so the, the first act we kind of focus on like, you know, bringing everybody together, we get, um, you know, then we get to the point where Loki uh, has to get the Iridium, and so yep. he uses Hawkeye for that, uh, and they go to this place, and we get the first time for, for Cap and, and Iron Man to fight together. Um, it's all very interesting. Like, Loki's motivations and his uh, manipulations throughout the movie, like, see, he wanted to get caught, but it's also like he didn't necessarily predict that no right it's it's interesting it's a different take you know i think um you know when we talked a little bit about this with uh um skyfall that this movie kind of is one of those movies that's made you know after dark knight where you know i think that the middle sequence where the main villain is captured and the bad guys have a talk with the good guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, this goes in definitely a different direction than either of those movies go in that, you know, he's kind of contained in this like crazy self, um, you know, destructive um, cell. 
and he, you know, at any point they could just flush him kind of down the toilet. But at the same time, he's also a god of mischief, and he can do some right. pretty wily shit. I, I love that scene between him and Black Widow. I think mm. it's fantastic. Yeah, legendary. Um, just the way that she manipulates him and he thinks he's in control is just mm-hmm. so funny. Um, but, you know, ultimately it sets off um, a really excellent action set piece on the helicarrier. Yeah, um, that's where shit's phenomenal. hitting the fan. <laughs> yep. Literally, the multiple fans. The yeah. <laughs> so you got to see them working together, uh, and, and and then everyone gets kind of split up. I know we haven't talked a whole lot about Thor. Um, he, uh, you know, he comes yes. into play uh, when when they capture Loki. Um, there is a really kind of cool sequence where you got the trio together fighting in the forest. There, um, mm. kind of like a cool little rock paper scissors. Like each one kind of checks the other. Yeah, um, you know Pokemon. If anyone definitely, <laughs> um, or RPG. I mean, I'm sure you guys probably do it all the there time with D and D. So that's fun. Uh, you know, Thor. He doesn't have a whole lot to do, like character wise. I think he's very much like reacting to the fact that this is his brother. But um, mm-hmm. you know. I think if you hadn't seen the movie, if you hadn't seen Thor, you probably would have gotten your primer here of like what his his just his shtick is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, definitely. He definitely didn't have much in this movie. He he did good with what he had, but he didn't have much development really, aside from you know having to save a planet that he fell in love with and having to drag his brother kicking and screaming back to the realm that he's supposed to be in. Yeah. You know, well, I think it was another for, for Thor. I think it was another, uh, growth for him because he, he, un, he basically, he humbled himself in the last movie, but now he has to take that knowledge and apply it to working with these other people. Yep. Totally. And so I think it's like a natural progression of, you know, I have to deal with family drama. Well, he's adopted, though. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's just him trying to put the things that he've, he's come to realize to be worthy of being Thor into action. And it, it's kind of like the fight that you kind of the same with Cap, where he's trying to be a part of the new world, but still has those those inklings and tendencies. Mm-hmm. Thor's the same way. He still has the inklings to just rush in and you know, pound stuff up, but he's trying to check himself throughout the whole movie. And that's kind of all you really see through this movie, at least. Yeah. All that. I wanted to just make sure we covered the first two acts because the third act when oh, yeah. it's just like beautiful chef kiss. It's just like, it's so good. You know, some people say how like, Oh, maybe the middle drags a little bit, but you know what? You get to the end here. They all are united in this idea that they need to avenge Coulson's death. They need to save the earth. Um, Cap, mm-hmm. Black Widow, and Hawkeye, who is, is now back on the side of the good good guys, mm-hmm. fly to New York. Tony flies to New York because they realize that's where, where Loki's going to be. And they're waiting for uh, Thor and, and, and Hulk to show up. And it just sets up this amazing action sequence that lasts like pretty much the rest of the film where they have to fight this invasion, the, the Shatari evasion. Mm-hmm. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of Shatari 
It's it's awesome. Uh, you know, looking at the special features today, like they did so many of these practical effects, the car flipping, the cars getting shot. Yeah. Um, that was fucking badass. And I think that they did a really great job of mixing kind of the practical with the digital so that you really do have the full, you know, experience of an alien invasion and that it really mm-hmm. did, you know, change kind of the MCU, the, that world going forward and that this had to mm. look like a real event. You know, we've an Avengers level threat. Like we've come to talk about this as a normal thing, but you know, at that time we didn't have that kind of language, you know, we just were like, Oh, they're leading up to the Avengers. What, what's going to happen there, you know? And then <laughs> you get to this movie and the first half of the first, you know, uh, two thirds of the movie, they're all fighting with each other, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> until uh, finally they come together. They come together. Um, I think it's really cool that you could see the scale of everything. Um, yes. New York city feels big. Uh, yeah. and they're all over it. And, and, um, there, there's one sequence that there's really no dialogue, but it's a, and they just again does this in in the next movie where it's kind of a sweeping shot of you see like it goes to Hawkeye, you see what he's doing, then you kind of uh, you know Thor flies by, and then he goes and, and they follow the camera and goes with and fights with with the Hulk, and then you see you know Iron Man, and you do that, and it just goes and follows all the characters around, and it's just like it makes it you kind of understand what's going on and, and mm-hmm. like they're they're fighting all these things in all different areas and every every character brings something different to the table definitely yeah and it moves so fluidly between all of them which is way different from earlier in the movie when you're looking at it because it's very like this is what this person's doing now let's cut to a scene where this person's doing this in the fight Mm -hmm. Uh, when you think like the iron man thor cap fight um you know where everything is disjointed and you see what everyone's doing but at different times whereas these are yeah all of those shots are kind of combining together to show that they're working together as a team uh the one that sticks out to me is like iron man is flying around and then he drops down and he's right next to cap and then they're, they're just beating up the chitari and then he just shoots his chest beam at that big flyby sequence right yeah. like that's like at the shield so awesome yeah, so yeah. good yeah um and, and you get to they also are saving people's lives like it's right. not mm-hmm. just that they're fighting like you see them active actively helping people which is you know another thing we've talked about on some of our podcasts aj like you know, superheroes are around to save people. It's not just to to fight these these crazy threats. Totally, and and this is kind of one of the first movies where you felt like they were making active, you know, attempts to showcase that that they were mm. trying to say like we're not just you know saving the day. We're saving we're saving the civilians. We're making sure people are getting out of here okay, and that we have more of a guided approach to this than just the all out chaos we've seen kind of in the movies that had come out up to this point. Um, yeah, it it was definitely, um, you know, interesting when, you know, Cap comes down and he sees those two New York cops and the cops are like, who the fuck are you? And then he, like, kind of quickly beats those guys up and they, like, immediately, like, okay, we need to do this to get the perimeter down to 39th Street. You know? Yeah. Like great. Tip- typical New York cops. Yeah. They were all wonder, perfect, too. I just wonder, like, how big, like, the Captain America propaganda, like, touched, right? Like, 
mm-hmm. were they still making like Captain America cartoons in the sixties and seventies? Like, or was that totally passe? And then what did they do? You know, after that, like, it's interesting, like, to think about, like, you know, when we see him in pop up in Spider Man, right? Like, were there other things we haven't seen of like, you know, Cap, like, all right, so you know, please make sure to you know throw your garbage out in the trash cans, everybody. Yeah. Sure, like how how uh, mind the cl- mind the gap. <laughs> how widely <laughs> is it known that they f- they found him in the ice? Like, is this like public news? Does does every person in the united states know that captain america steve rogers is alive again or is it like eh, it's a hoax this is just some random guy running around in a captain america costume that's so like 1945 (laughs) it's very curious because even as you walk through the uh the memorial scene whenever he's looking and he sees bucky was the only one that it says bucky's the only one that died wouldn't it have also said cap died interesting unless they updated it Maybe, but mm-hmm. that, that's kind of what threw me. But uh, j- just to uh, kind of bring a lot, a couple things together with uh, like this movie elevating a bunch of things in movies in general. I feel like that's part of it. Like it, it's showing that the superheroes are saving people and having that as like an intricate part of the movie. It's like the same thing of whenever they started actually showing people reloading guns in action flicks. You know, it's it adds a, a taste right. of realism. It's like how many times does James Bond actually reload his right. uh, his wall? Very few times. You know, you know yeah. what I mean. It's you, like you you hear him, and it's like nowadays it's just like, oh, I just heard you you had your your sixth round. You must be out. Like now they say that they didn't always right. say that exactly. And that's the same with superhero movies, where it's it was always like the only person that you actively saw being saved was the heroine. You know, like Mary yeah, J. The, the damsel or, in distress. Exactly. Yep. That was the only person that superheroes, quote unquote, like you saw them saving. But now it's like this. It's the same as having the practical effects. It's bringing that realism to the movie. The, that emotion, the emotional connection. And like seeing in the end where it's like all the scenes that say like the people are like loving the fact that they saved the city. Like, thank God that the Avengers were here. Like. Right. It, it it elevates it to such a higher degree and puts more emphasis on how amazing what they did was. And to make it even more real, you have people questioning them from the get-go. Right, from right. the get-go, yes. Yep. Which obviously comes into play later on with, with, with the uh, Civil War and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, in, in this third act, we have the amazing hero shot where we see them all land together and it sweeps around them and it's so iconic now like, so awesome fantastic like, that's just, every time i'm like this is the coolest thing that's ever happened yeah and, and you know like the music swells and you know I, we can get to that now i mean i think the music's a huge part of this movie you oh, yeah. have a theme you've got little intricate themes for each character that that come up in interplay a lot mm-hmm. um you know, I, it's you know, it's not John Williams score or whatever, but it's I think everyone knows now. Like you hear this music, it's like this is the Avengers. Yep. And uh, I, I think it's great. It always gets me excited. And um, yeah, I'd have to go back and listen. But um, I feel like kind of similar to how everything was disjointed uh, in sort of the, the cinematography style leading up into the third act. I feel like it was kind of like that with the music too, where everybody had their own little themes, but the Avengers theme was never 
there and it was never full. It was never fully realized right. until that yep. moment when they all come together, those, the, like you said, all six, yep. um, you know, on the ground together, you know, and it sweeps around them and it builds up that huge orchestral, you know, the Avengers theme that's in everything afterward. And, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's not the most complex score, but it really plays to the emotions very well and they fit it together very well and they have mm-hmm. themes that weave in and out really well. It's what, whether you're at home or you're in the movie theater, it's going to hit you. Yep. It's like mm-hmm. it's like AJ said before, it's it's one of those movies where every time you watch it you get that feeling. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. amazing. It, yeah. It's I think this movie's music is different than like Age of Ultron and even um you know even some of the earlier movies in the MCU obviously but when you get to uh this film it, it is scored more like a traditional blockbuster movie mm-hmm. it has more of the conventional stuff they are starting to really hone in on the themes they were using a couple of the other characters themes throughout this movie um, and then what's kind of cool is, you know, in the early Iron Man movies, like they could kind of always get away from it because like obviously the music is not something they spent money on in Iron Man one and two. Uh, but if you go back and listen to it, it's just not it's just it's just not good. It's it's OK. It's not objectively bad. But mm-hmm. but then they know, throw in some ACDC. Yeah, that's, the, <laughs> that's what I was getting to. Like anytime you have Iron Man, you just throw on rock and roll music and like it's it's done like that's his that's his signature so yeah Yeah. you know can you beat anything like that like and that was such a cool way to do it because if you think about batman like all those movies that had come out like batman is a million miles away from being able to play acdc oh yeah i also love though that it's not just we are here in acd acdc like he's playing that over the air like right yeah yes natasha's like what the hell (laughs) yep no, I love that. It's it's awesome. I, I think you know when you get to this third act, um, it, it, you give the characters stuff to do, and they're all kind of moving within their own realm. And this is just the result of you know obviously just years of planning and understanding the source material to say how they would be acting in this kind of situation. You keep. Barton and Natasha kind of on the ground, then you split them up, but like you keep them on the ground to fight more hand to hand. You have Thor flying around. You could do a cool stunt with the Chrysler building. Like they played really well into their skill sets and it was always interesting. It wasn't like some, like a Star Trek movie where like you'll have a whole bunch of red shirts Mm -hmm. land on the planet at the end of the movie, but we'll never find out what happens to them, you know? Um, one other thing I want to mention about this act, we, we really get to showcase Hulk. Yeah. Um, we see yep. him, uh, smashing everything and just kind of smashing everything. It's, you know, because in the past, like anytime we've seen Hulk on screen beforehand, it was like this uncontrollable beast. And at this moment, when, when Bruce shows up, he's like, I'm always angry. And you see him just turn into the Hulk and, and in like, it's arguable whether Bruce is in control or whether the Hulk is in control, but he knows he needs to fight the Chitari and Mm. he actively chooses to save Tony's life. And then he throws Mm -hmm. him to the side. He's like, he picks him up. He's like, eh, (laughs) I just love that. He's kind of moody and you know, he punches Thor and he smashes the the shit out of Loki. Um, 
It, yes. The most me, like, memorable scene of the whole fucking thing. <laughs> I laughed God. when I first watched that. I laughed so hard that like I couldn't I couldn't hear the next you know two three minutes of the movie because I was just laughing the whole time. A scene stealer. Like everyone mm-hmm. was talking about it. Like it, it just worked so well. Mm-hmm. It, it's, um, be, it's yeah. It, it, at this point, we've never seen Hulk just like be smashing for good, and like this is his finally his moment to do that, and they showcase it in a very fun and exciting way, and it, you know again like Marvel like it, the action is there, but like the heart is also important. Like yeah. the key takeaways I, I heard Feige saying one time is like like yeah like the action is important, but like we want you to like remember Thor punching uh, Hulk punching Thor and. Uh, Hulk smashing Loki much more than we want you to remember, like them blowing up a bus or, you know, flipping cars. Like yeah. it, it's about the mm-hmm. people together. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Um, um yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, I think we're, we're pretty much at the end here. Um, I, I feel like we've been talking about this movie. Like, yeah, this movie's funny. It, like, it's got the signature Marvel humor. Um, that mm-hmm. we know now. I, I think a lot of that we do kind of attribute to Joss. It's kind of his, you know, his MO, his dark humor a lot of times, which is for better or for worse, but it also, it kind of rooted itself in the MCU. And like, that's kind of what you get moving forward. As much as you have Mm -hmm. the action and the heartfelt moments, you have someone cracking a joke. Well, I also like that it was, it, it, it almost rooted itself to certain characters as well. Like, cause mm-hmm. you, you know, like Gardens of the Galaxy, like that's way more humor. True. Like Thor Ragnarok, definitely more humor just because it's like, I, I, I almost like that where it's like, you can almost, you can see who the class clown is. Well, you know? also a lot of times, you know, the, the person that is more funny in the scene is, is going to be Iron Man with his kind of like machismo kind of rich billionaire attitude or uh and i feel like i heard you guys talking about this on one of the previous episodes um you know when spider-man comes in he really has that very quippy nature that he used to always have in the comics Mm -hmm. and so you know they kind of they kind of lean into that in this movie and i think this is where they developed a lot of that humor and then they just continue to grow that throughout the rest of the franchise mm-hmm. um giving everybody their own unique you know like cap barely ever breaks a joke and when it's a joke it's either an accident or it's, it's like some dad joke that you it's kind of at his expense for being right a fish right. out of water language yeah, exactly yeah you know like a language barrier or technology barrier or something like that you know yeah. uh and then thor like almost rarely breaks jokes until he starts to develop more as a character and, and become a little bit, you know, loose compared to how he was so firm in his beliefs early on. And, and so it's, uh, it's kind of cool to see that humor develop as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think this movie does such a great job in, in, uh, in capping off phase one, but also setting the stage for, for phase two, um, you know, it, it, it's such a culminating event, but like from here on out, we see how we see the characters move on and go back to their lives and, and how this major event is going to impact them. Right. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just love Nick Fury's line of like, we'll need them to come back. Like, right. we're, we're not going to keep them on, on speed dial, but they'll know when it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, so, uh, one other thing we'll talk, talk about the post-credit scenes. I mean, we've had post-credit scenes before, mm-hmm. uh, but here we've got two very specific ones. <laughs> we've got Thanos mm-hmm. and we Thanos. have, and we have the shawarma scene. And so this is kind of what sets up a trend for the MCU movies for a while of, you've got one that's a very like clear, indicator of what's to come and then one that's a joke yep. exactly yeah. mm-hmm. which is just marvelous it yeah. went on for a long it went on for a long time <laughs> yeah. you know yeah and, and you know for better or for worse like seeing thanos there like you know in hindsight yeah now we know that he was pulling the strings all along uh but it was a promise to the fans that's like we're gonna get there um and whether they ever did or not um you know that that was something that they were they're rolling the dice on, right? sure. Um, and then the shawarma scene, like you know, again, it's it's funny and it was funny then, and it it's it's pretty funny now. Uh, but some of these later jokes of, of post credit scenes, like really, I waited all the way through the credits for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Baby Groot dancing is pretty awesome. I I appreciate now that on Disney Plus you can skip the credits. I don't know if yes. you guys noticed that. That's pretty, I do agree. Pretty I, I, that was a much That's just better smart. call on their end. Yeah, I mean, this is like this is their bread and butter. Like people are going to mm-hmm. be watching Marvel movies here. Like just let us do it. Exactly. Um. So, the Phase One plan worked. Like, One hundred ten percent. Most definitely. They. They thought that they could build up to this. They took all these movies and they were leading up to the Avengers and it, it exploded. And and without this, we don't have Guardians of the Galaxy. We don't yeah. have Infinity War and Endgame. We don't have, like, we maybe don't even see Black Panther on screen. Like, it just it mm-hmm. opened up so True. many possibilities. Um, you know, things like, Shang-Chi that's coming out later this year. Like all these sure. characters that are in the comic books, like if this movie couldn't work, nothing else would work. Right. Mm-hmm. Th- There's th- definitely a turning point for these movies to be not only shown they could be done right, but also done in conjunction with other movies like that. Like you see any of the yes. old Avenger, Thor, Hulk movies back from the you know, eighties, early nineties, like they're entertaining. You don't make a franchise off of them, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they really they they sort of took a gamble on on trying to get these all together. You know, the first five movies, but they also had everyone together creatively, knowing that this was the first end goal. So I think they were kind of going into it, being like, "This is our vision." If it fails, if for some reason just things don't pick up by Avengers and people don't love it, well, that's it. We'll, we'll be done. You know, that'll be a good five movie, you know, franchise. We'll let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, we can reboot it down the line. Um, and I think that that was a good gamble to <laughs> to do because now we have 20 movies and hundreds off. of tv show episodes billions and billions of dollars right and and this particular movie was so successful that they were able to give it the back to the future treatment yeah end game they were able to go back and revisit things and 
and we wanted to see it and see it from a different angle. Right. right. That's true. Exactly. Which is, and th- that being said, that's what we're, we're spinning out into now. Loki's coming starting next week. Infinity. We, he <laughs> takes the, the Tesseract <laughs> um, at, at New York at the Battle of New York, and he spins off into his own show, and that's where we're about to to lead off into. So, if you've been listening along, um, you know we've we've covered Thor, we've covered Avengers. That's Loki's history at this point. Um, we will probably also touch on uh, Thor: The Dark World. We we gotta cover that. That's in our on our list as well. Um, if you made it this far, you could tell the four of us love this movie. Yes, it all changed way. all of our lives. <laughs> Um, does anyone have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, just it's like you said, it's it's an amazing movie that uh, brought my expectations to a higher level, and I think that's also part of why the DC universe didn't do as well because they didn't they couldn't compete with it. But it's just like it was right time, right moment, perfect, glorious. I will. It's one of the. I will never not enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even after the other 20 movies, even knowing yeah, everything yeah, yeah. that changes, and I will never not enjoy this movie. That's a good way to put it. I like that. I agree. Um, got Ethan? That was Ethan. Oh, Mike, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat. It was just... It never, with any of the superhero movies before they were always these sort of you know they were they were fanboy video fanboy movies that just wanted to cater to people who already kind of knew the stories who you know wanted to just see this action and and go for a fun pg-13 movie that had no tie-ins to anything else that didn't really develop into deep uh you know, deeper understanding or deeper, you know, talks on, you know, subject matter, you know, and sure. And this was the first, these movies really built it up to be like, you know, these can grow together and these can start giving us, you know, viewpoints and building up storylines that are more dark, that really you can pull from the comic books that a lot of people if they never read them, didn't realize, you know, so it's like, uh, this was, this was the, um, big movie, I think that showed the world that even if you didn't read comic books, you still can relate to the stories that were told from back in the forties and fifties when a lot of these started and sixties, you know, with early, um, you know, characters in Spider-Man and Captain America and things like that. Um, and you see why people, adored the comic books so much yep yeah and and you you get to the point where this universe is now it's commercially viable and it's like my in-laws are going to see it like everyone's (laughs) parents are going to see it like they want they want to know what happens to these characters whereas it used to be you know the four of us going to see X-Men or whatever and like right. dragging your parents along because they, you know, you needed a chaperone. And now it's like they want to watch and, and everybody wants to know what happens. So exactly. Perfectly said. AJ, you want to bring us on home? 
Yes, everybody. So thank you for tuning in to a brand new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. As always, you can find us online, www.longlostheroes.net. You could email us, info at longlostheroes.net. You can uh, check us out on all of the streaming apps, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, uh, you, you name it, we're on it. Um, and you can find us on all the social medias uh, at LLH Podcast. Thank you so much uh to mike and to ethan for coming on the podcast with us guys yeah, thank us. you so much and, and yeah again, thank you guys where where are your socials and where can they find you yeah so we uh same thing we have our podcast available uh fireside interviews and reviews um on any podcast app apple podcasts stitcher uh spotify um, you can oh, find us on Instagram as well, uh, at Fireside. Uh, we also have a Twitter at Fireside. Uh, the periods are in between the letters to, to split up the, uh, Fireside interviews and reviews. So, you know, we'll be able to give that to you guys. You can find it in the notes. <laughs> it's it's we'll one, of, one of our, around. one of our prouder moments with our initials actually spelling fire. very cool awesome that's awesome well thank you again both of you for joining us thanks everyone for listening and we will be back next week uh actually probably later this week to cover the first episode of loki hope you are ready and are excited and we will talk to you soon i know i am bye 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 see you guys